to uh, just get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do the work that He'd like to do. Father, thank you so much for giving us the Comforter. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Well, we're there in John uh, chapter 14. In John 14, uh, it's one of, one of my favorite uh, chapters in John. And I love how it starts. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, you've got to understand the context um, of John 14 in order to understand what Jesus is trying to teach. He's getting ready to die. And he's talking to his 12 disciples. Well, 11 of them. Uh, one was a devil, like we saw last week, I think. And uh, Judas Iscariot has already been sent out. And, uh, you know, and he's going to betray Jesus. And he's talking to these 11 men. Now, you've got to keep in mind, these 11 men were not just 11 regular church members. They, these were the, the members of Jesus' church, but, but they weren't church members like we're church members. These 11 men have been following Jesus and living with Jesus for the last, you know, three and a half years. These 11 men um, have left their families. These 11 men have left their businesses. These 11 men have left uh, their occupations. And they have uh, jumped into full-time ministry with Jesus Christ. Uh, but not like we think of full You know, we think of full-time ministry. We think of somebody going off to Bible college and getting all the support. And then, you know, ha- having this beautiful house. And, you know, really suffering for Jesus because they, you know, they know that they're getting $5,000 coming in because they went on seven years of deputation. And, you know, got six people saved during those seven years. And then they want to go start a church somewhere. And, but that's not what these men did. These men just trusted God. They just went with Jesus. And they just were preaching the gospel. And they've really just given their entire lives to Jesus Christ. And Jesus knows, and they don't really quite grasp it yet, but Jesus knows that He's getting ready to die. And for the next three days, he's going to, His body is going to be dead. His soul, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be in hell, is what the Bible tells us. And uh, suffering for our sins. The Bible says He's going to suffer, you know, he, in eternity, in hell, and he's, and he's going to be resurrected. But he's trying to prepare these guys because in, in just 24 hours, you know, from when he said these words, these, these guys, their lives is, is, is going to be turned upside down. Their, their, their lives are going to just spin out of control. They're going to have all sorts of issues and all sorts of problems, all sorts of doubts. The guy they've been following, the guy they've been believing in, the guy that, that, that they thought was the Messiah, they thought he was the Christ, they thought he was God in the flesh, they've seen him do these miracles, and they've seen him do all these wonderful things, is going to die. And Jesus is trying to prepare them, and he, and he starts off by saying these words, He says, let not your heart be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Because see, he understands that when these these men come to take him, and they put him on the cross, people are going to doubt. They're going to say, well, was this really the Messiah? Was this really the God? And he's he's trying to tell them, look, you believe in God, believe also in me. This reminds me of a story, if, if you want to turn there with me, to Acts chapter number 27, and look at verse 21. Acts 27, 21. In Acts 27, Paul... Um, you know, has been imprisoned, and he's on his way to Caesar. He's on his way to Rome. And, and he, finds, he finds himself there with a centurion and other prisoners, and he's at Fair Haven, which is a, a port in, in Crete. Uh, and the centurion in charge, you know, decides that he wants to attempt to make it to, uh, to a different uh, uh, port there, to, to uh, Venice, uh, in order to winter there. And Paul warns them, and he says, hey, you know, this is not a good idea. We shouldn't journey there. We shouldn't go there. And let's just here, but they don't listen to him. The Bible says 
they don't believe him, and um, they decide to go anyway. And as they travel, they find themselves in the midst of a of a uh, of a real bad storm and a, uh, a real bad wind there, and they find themselves stranded. They've been there for a few days, and they're throwing stuff out the boat. They they haven't the Bible says they haven't even seen the moon or the stars or the or the sun for a few days. The storm is so bad. And in verse twenty one, if you see there in Acts twenty seven. Paul begins to speak, he says, uh, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them, and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am, and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that are with thee. Wherefore, sirs, and look what Paul says, when Paul finds himself in the midst of a storm, literally. I mean, he's not, we're not talking about a, a, you know, we talk about going through the storm when you're going through something in your life. And, and obviously that's the application. I believe that's the application at Acts 27. But, but uh, Paul is not going through a, a storm in his life. He's actually physically in a storm, in a boat, stranded. They haven't ate for days. They, have, they don't know what's going to happen. They think they're going to die. At this point in the story, they, they've already lost hope. They don't think anything's gonna, you know, nothing's good is going to come of this. And Paul says in verse 20, he says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. And look what he says. He says, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. And you know what that tells me? And if you go there to John 14, when uh, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled, ye believe in God, believe also in me. And the truth is that you can go through any storm. Paul, you know, the, the, your, your, your life could be spinning out of control. You could just be looking at things, uh, situations in your life, and you could be thinking to yourself, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen with this thing. You know, I, these disciples, they were looking at Jesus Christ, and in 24 hours, they're going to be looking at the man they put their faith in, the man they put their entire lives in, and he's going to die. And they're going to think, you know, they're not going to know what to do. Peter, the Bible tells us, goes back to fishing, takes a bunch of him with him. Just because they're not, you know, they're, they're just surprised, they're amazed, they, their whole world has been just, you know, fell apart. But Jesus is telling them, hey, believe God. Because when you believe God, your heart's not troubled. That's, that's why Paul said, you know, in Acts 27, 25, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Then, hey, cheer up. Why are we going to cheer up, Paul? We're in a storm. We're going to die, Paul. We haven't ate, Paul. You're telling us to cheer, cheer up. And he says, well, here's why you should cheer up, for I believe God. And when you're going through a storm, and when you're going through a trial, when you're going through, a, uh, through something hard like that, hey, just believe God. Just put your trust in God and, and understand that God has a plan and God is still in control and God is still on the throne and God is the one who decides, you know, what's going to happen and what's not going to happen and just believe God and you'll be fine. But look at verse 2. Jesus, well, in verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Look at verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there uh, ye may be also. Now, I don't know if I have it with me. I don't think I do. Good night. Um, I don't have my trusty NIV Bible back here. My trusty... 
piece of trash NIV Bible. It must be upstairs. I, I must have been using it for something. Um, but I don't have it in front of you to show it to you. But the NIV Bible, the King James Bible says, In my Father's house are many mansions. I just want to make uh, note of this because any chance I have to uh, rip on the NIV, I like to take it. In the NIV it says, In my Father's house are many rooms. You know, The Bible says, God says that Jesus said He's going to prepare for us a mansion. The NIV says, you know, He's going to prepare for us a room. The God of the Bible, you know, is building something for us. Jesus said, I'm going to go, and he said, well, I'm, you know, I'm in heaven, I'm going to be building mansions for you. He said, I'm going to be building these structures for you, these, you know, mansions. When you think of a mansion, you think of something beautiful. You think of something, you know, amazing, something huge, something nice. And, you know, my, my wife, when we, uh, when we first got married, before we had kids, uh, she used to work for a, uh, uh, she, for a, for a cleaning service. That was a lot of hard work. You know, she, she'd work for a cleaning service and, and she got to go into a, a mansion or two and clean them. You know, they're amazing houses. You know, it's not a house, like a house. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's just a building. It's, you know, many rooms and, and, and many bathrooms and, may, and you know, just a, a beautiful thing. And that's what the King James Bible says. You know, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He said, in my father's house, because when he says house, he's not referring to a house like we think. He's saying, in my Father's house, which is heaven, he says, are many mansions. But the NIV says, in my Father's house are many rooms. You know, and it's kind of like a, like, like a Motel 6 or something. Like, we're going to get to heaven. You know, the, the, the King James Bible says, hey, God is like this man who's building something for us. And then the NIV, it's like Jesus is like this maid who's like just cleaning this room for you. You know what I mean? And it's just, you know... I. The NIV is just a piece of trash, and you should never read it. And I just don't want to uh, pass that verse up without uh, bringing that up, because, you know, a mansion is not a room. And you got to keep this in mind. You know, things that are different are not the same. So, you know, the Bible, it either says mansion or it says room. You know, originally, when Jesus spoke it, He either said mansion or He said room. He didn't say both. So either... The King James Bible is wrong or the NIV is wrong because they're two different things. So, uh, they're, they're, you know, if people think, oh, all the Bibles are the same. They're not the same. They say different things. And if they're saying different things, one of them's got to be wrong and one of them's got to be right. So you've got to keep that in mind. You know, things that are different, they're not the same. But anyway, in, in verse 2 there, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, I love to uh, use this verse when I'm talking to Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, at the door out so winning. He, Jesus Christ said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So the Bible says that Jesus Christ is preparing a place for us. Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses, if you ever go out you know, and, and talk to Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that we as Christians, or the majority of people, are not going to spend eternity in heaven. They believe that most people are going to spend eternity on earth, and only you know, 144,000 are going to spend eternity in heaven, and, um, and, and they, 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 they do not believe that heaven is for us. But, but if you look at John 14, Jesus Christ is on earth. Looking at his disciples, you know, who are human beings, and saying, hey, I'm going to go soon, because he's going to die soon. He said, I'm going to go, and, and you know, and I'm going to be resurrected, and then I'm going to spend some time with you, but then I'm going to send back up to heaven. And when I go back to heaven, you know, I'm going to be preparing a place for you. So why, you know, it, it's kind of funny. Why would Jesus be spending all these thousands of, you know, 2,000 years since Jesus died, and he'd be spending these thousands of years preparing a place for us that he's never going to give us? You know, because we're just going to spend eternity on earth. That, does, that makes no sense. And, you know, they show you these verses like the meek shall inherit the earth and all that stuff. And look, you know, Brother Hutton and I were talking about this because we're out so winning and somebody, one of those Jehovah's Witnesses brought this up. And it's funny, it's like, look, 
the Bible says, the King James Bible says, the meek shall inherit the earth. You're not going to get us to disagree with that. You know, like, that's the word of God. Obviously, the meek shall inherit the earth. We have no problem with that. But the thing is, that God says that He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and you know, eventually, it's, you, we're going to inherit all of it. We're going to inherit the earth, once it's this perfect place, you know, and for a thousand years, we're going to be reigning on earth, you know, and then God's going to create a new earth, but, and, he's, and we're going to have a new heaven, but we're going to be spending eternity in heaven also, because Jesus Christ said He's preparing a place for us. So, you know, don't let these uh, Jehovah's Witnesses trick you into thinking, oh, we're not going to uh, spend eternity in heaven. Look, He said, I'm preparing a place for you. Why would He be preparing it for you to not use it? You know, and, 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 and don't get afraid, you know, when they say, when they say, oh, well, you're going to, you know, do you think you're going to spend eternity on earth? Look, the Bible says we are. He, he's going to make a new heaven, he's going to make a new earth, you know, the meek shall inherit the earth, you know, that's fine. But, you know, what's funny, is that meek, you know, what you, the Bible says that Moses was a meek man. And, uh, you know, when you think of the word meek, part of that idea of, of meek is, is someone who's humble. You know, and to me, it's it's kind of arrogant. You know, when the Jehovah's Witness, here's what you go talk to Jehovah's Witness, and you try to show, you know, give him the gospel and show him, hey, you know, for sure, if that's today, you go to heaven. And here's what they'll do. You know, I have many of them do this. They'll say, well, let me, let me, let me see your Bible there, and they're like turning your Bible to, and they'll say, you see this verse, the meek shall inherit the earth, and they're like, that, that's what I'm trusting in. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's not real meek to just call yourself meek. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of arrogant to call yourself meek. So, you know, that's just kind of funny. But anyway, but, you know, God's going to prepare, Jesus is preparing for a, pl- a place for us in heaven. And here's another one, you know, I think it's interesting. Philippians chapter number 1 and verse 23. You don't have to turn there, I'll read it for you. But Philippians 1, 23, Paul said this, he says, For I am in a strait betwixt two. He said, Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So, uh, Paul was saying that, uh, you know, he has a desire. He said, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ. Because the Jehovah's Witness, here's what they believe. They believe in this thing called soul sleep. And they believe when you die, that you're just going to be asleep. For like thousands of years, till Jesus comes back, and then you're going to be resurrected. And they don't think that, you know, when the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, they don't believe, you know, they don't believe that. And But Paul said, hey, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ. So he wasn't, Paul wasn't saying, I have a desire to depart and to be asleep in the grave for a thousand years. You know, he's saying, I want to go to heaven. I want to go see that mansion that God, that Jesus is building for me. So anyway, don't, don't let Jehovah's Witness uh, trick you into believing that. Moses, sit up straight. Appreciate it. And uh, look, at, look at verse 4, John chapter number 14, and look at verse 4. The Bible says, Jesus said, And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. These are some of the most famous verses in the Bible. And Jesus just flat out says here, He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So can anybody get saved? Any other way? No. Can the Muslims get saved through Muhammad and through Allah, which is not the God of the Bible? No. Can, can anybody get saved any other way other than through Jesus Christ? The Bible says this in Acts 4.12. It says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And Jesus just flat out tells him, He says, because hey, He says, and whither, you go, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. So He's telling him like, look, you know where I'm going, and you know the way. And Thomas says, well, we know not whither thou goest. He's saying, look, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And He tells him, look, you do know the way, and you do know where, the, where I'm going, and you know how to get there. And he said, here's why, because I am the way. And, and you know, this is one of those 
famous I am statements that Jesus Christ made, and we've seen them in the book of John when he said, I am the door, and you know, all sorts of different statements like that. And here he's saying, I am the way. The truth in life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You know, it seems like every week when we're out door knocking and inviting people to church and giving out the gospel, uh, people will say, you know, people make, will make statements like this, like, well, I believe my way, you believe your way, but we're all going to get there. Well, not according to John 14. Uh, John chapter number 14 and verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way. So you're not going to get there through Buddha, and you're not going to get there in my way. When Jesus says, I am the way, He's also saying, I am the only way. So if you're, if, if, you know, these people that believe that it's Jesus Christ and good works, or Jesus Christ and anything else, you know, they're not trusting in Jesus as the only way. And He said, I am the way. So look, no one can be saved without putting their belief in Jesus Christ as their Savior, period. You know, and, and people and people say, well, you know, Christianity is a messed up religion because you you think that your way is the only way. Well, look, Jesus said, I am the way. And that's why it's our job to go out and preach the gospel to these people and try to get them saved and try to show them that Jesus is the way. You say, why do you want to knock on every door in Sacramento? Because every door in Sacramento needs to know that Jesus is the way. Amen. And that there is no other way. He said, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So we've got to tell people that, and we've got to show people that, that Jesus is the way. It's not all roads, you know, lead to heaven, and it's not, you know, you have your way and I have my way. It's, it's either Jesus Christ or nothing. But uh, look at verse 7, John fourteen seven. he says, If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. When he says, when he says that word, sufficeth us, he's saying it is enough for us. So he says, Lord, show us the Father. He said, we want to see the Father, and that's enough for us. It sufficeth us. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. That of there, he's saying that they're not coming from him. They're not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Now, just real quickly, stay in John 14, but go with me to 1 John chapter number 5. And I want you to look at verse 7. 1 John chapter number 5, and look at verse 7, because this is a... A common theme that comes up through John 14, and I want you to just see it. John chapter number, 1 John 5 7, towards the end of the New Testament. 1 John 5 7. Moses, sit up straight. I told you guys, I'm going to tell you this because I want you to learn it. You guys need to learn to have character in church and pay attention because you need to learn this, okay? So as many times as we got to do this, we'll do it. 1 John 5 7 says this For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. This is what we refer to as the Trinity. Trinity means, you know, three in one. And 1 John 5, 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, which is God the Father, the Word, which is Jesus Christ, go to, you know, see first John chapter number 1 and verse 1, and the Holy Ghost, and then it says these three are one. So the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one, is what the Bible says. I don't understand that. Well, look, I don't understand it either. But all three of them are one person. And in John 14, 7, I'll just keep that verse in mind because we're going to be, uh, you know, coming back to it. You don't have to go back to it, but uh, keep that verse, 1 John 5, 7, in your mind. And if you go back to John 14, 7, Jesus said, you know, they said, show us the Father. And He said, hey, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. You know, now a lot of people... 
A lot of these people, you know, you'll talk to them and you'll try to teach them, hey, Jesus is God. And they'll say, no, 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 Jesus is the Son of God. Say, Jesus isn't, you know, and they'll say this, like, how can Jesus be the Son and the Father? Well, look, you know, I don't know. How can he, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's, he's God. That's how he's able to do it. But he is God. And when they say, you know, people, they'll, they'll make these, I've heard, I've heard this statement before. People will say, well, you know, when Jesus said that he was, him and his Father were one, he's saying like, you know, and I've heard people make this statement. They're saying like, when you get married, you become one flesh. You know, and they'll say like, you and your wife, you're one flesh. So that's kind of like what Jesus is saying. Like, like, like they're one team. You know, they're one group. You know, John, uh, Jesus. But the thing is, Jesus, you know, he, you, that might sound good, but Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, if I said to you, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen my wife, you know, that doesn't work. If you've seen me, you haven't seen my wife. If you've seen my wife, you haven't seen me. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He, what he's saying is, look, he's saying, look, I am the Father, Philip. He said, how long have I been, have you, have I been with you and, you and you don't know me? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And, and this comes up throughout John 14. I'll, I'll show you um, as we get through it. But look at verse 11. He says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the very work's sake. He says, verily, verily, I say to you, he that believeth on me. And this is interesting. This is a very interesting verse. John 14, 12. He says, he that believeth on me. The works that I do shall he do also, and he says this, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So the Bible says, Jesus said, that if you believe in Jesus, the works that He does, that we can do greater works than the works that Jesus Christ Himself did. Now when He uses that word greater, He's not talking about like better. Okay? He's not talking about the quality of the work. Because obviously Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. And nobody can do better work than Jesus. You know, no, I can't preach better than Jesus. And I can't give the gospel better than Jesus. The quality of the work was the best when Jesus did it. But that word greater there in the Bible sometimes is used as just quantity. And what he's saying when he says greater works than these. Jesus is saying he expects you and I to do more work than Jesus did. And, and if you think about it, it makes sense. Because Jesus had a short ministry. You know, three years, three and a half years. And he really was only in a certain area, you know, geogra- uh, geographically. And what he was saying to us was, he was saying, look, I'm doing this for three years, you know, because I'm going to die, I'm going to go to heaven, I'm, you know, I'm going to ascend up to, up to the Father. But he said, you can do this for a lifetime. You know, like Paul, you can, you can go many different places. You can start many different churches. You can get many people saved. And he's saying, the works that I did, he said, I want you to do the same works, but I just want you to do them greater. He said, I want you to do more. So we got to keep in mind, you know, you know, people wear these bracelets, these uh, liberals wear these bracelets that say, uh, you know, WWJD. What would Jesus do? You know, and they, and they, they have this, they, they think it's this cute little thing. Well, what would Jesus do in this situation? Well, you know what Jesus would do uh, on Saturday morning is he'd be, be out knocking on doors. That's what Jesus, you know, well, how do you know that? Because that's what he was doing in the Bible. So when Jesus was saying, look, I want you to do greater works than what I did, he's not saying, you know, I want you to have this great charity, or I want you to have this great, you know, uh, community service, or I want you to have this great, you know, uh, place where families can go. And, and look, there's nothing wrong with that. But the work that he did was preach the gospel. The Bible says, Jesus said, you know, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's what he was doing. So when Jesus said, hey, greater works than these, you know, what are you talking about? And, and I apologize if I keep going back to this, but it's just fresh in my mind from last night, you know, but the greater works is I'm at. You know, the greater works is, is going out and preaching the gospel, and look, our church is just starting out, and, and we have a goal of knocking on every door, but hey, praise God, one day, 
I hope, we'll, you know, we're going to have another map that's going to be the world. And we're going to have missionaries we're sending out and supporting and sending them out throughout the entire world to reach the God. Why, you know, why would we do that? Why would we support these missionaries in the future once we're financially able to? And why would we uh, try to knock on every door? And why are we going to travel and try to get people saved and do all these things? Here's why. Because we're trying to do greater works than the works that Jesus did. You know, not better work, but just more of it. More people saved. More people coming to church. More people getting baptized. So it's greater works. He, and, and God expects us. He says, hey, uh, he, he says this up, but I want you to do greater works than those that I did. But uh, look, at, look down at verse 15. John 14, 15. And look at what it says. He says, if, if ye love me, keep my commandments. Now, we're going to come back to John 14, 15, but... Drop down to verse 23 and look at John 14, 23. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father. Drop down to verse 28. John 14, 28. Jesus said, Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Now, go back to verse 15. I wanted to show you that throughout this chapter, Jesus makes this statement. He says, if ye love me. If a man loved me. If ye loved me. You know, God, Jesus does not take for granted. Uh, He does not assume that you love Him. You know, we can never... uh, question God's love. The Bible says that we love Him because He first loved us. The Bible says that God, for God so loved the world. You know, we could never question God's love to us, but Jesus Christ uh, is not ashamed and is not embarrassed to question our love. You know, in this chapter, three different times, He said, if ye love me, if a man love me, if ye love me. And you know, Jesus asked this question because he, He questions whether you and whether I love Him or not. If you look at verse 15, he puts a prerequisite on what he means by that. He says, if ye love me, he says, keep my commandments. So God says, Jesus is saying, if you love him, you're going to keep his commandments. And he says, you know, and, and the flip side, the idea there is that if you don't keep his commandments, then you don't love him. Look, look at verse 21. He says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Look, look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me... Rebecca, is there a problem? You need to stop whatever you're doing. I don't want your mom to spank you, so I'm helping you right now. Just stop. Okay? Look at verse 23. And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and will come unto him, and uh, make our abode with him. Look at verse 24. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which uh, ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. So, you see there, Jesus, you know, it, it's funny to me, because it seems almost like something rude, you know. Like if we went to, to you know, if you try, try going to your wife, you know, and saying, if you love me, you know, you're going to make me lunch, you know. Um, you might uh, start a fight. But Jesus is saying, look, if you love me, keep my commandments. And here's what he's saying. If you don't keep my commandments, then you do not love me. And you know, as Christians, you have to get this idea. Because we would never, you know, have the audacity... To, to, if Jesus Christ were here right now. I mean, if Jesus Christ just walked through the door and said, I'm preaching the sermon, you know. I mean, we would just fall on our knees and just start worshiping Him, right? 
I mean, we would just say, you know, we, we, would, we would worship Him, and we would weep, and we'd say, oh, we love you, Jesus, and, and thank you so much, you know. And, and, that, and the Bible says, you know, when we get to heaven, right, uh, and there's a judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says that the whole entire world and every human being uh, who has ever lived is going to be resurrected, is going to be together at one time, and they're going to have the, the, the great white throne judgment, and those of us that are saved are going to be on one side of it, and we're not going to be judged, but we're going to be present, is what the Bible says. And everybody who's unsaved will be there, and the books will be open, the Bible says, and they will be judged. And the Bible says that we will watch them be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. And I'm telling you something, on that day, when we see where Jesus saved us from, when we see that we are not going to go to hell because Jesus Christ died for our sins, because He came to this earth, because He lived a sinless life, because He died on the cross, because He was buried, because He went to hell for three days and three nights, because He rose from the grave, at that moment we're going to see the, the reality of hell and realize, wow, you know, how much we love Jesus and how much we're indebted to Jesus. And none of us, even now, even without seeing hell, would ever, you know, say to Jesus, I don't love you. But here's what Jesus says, you know, every day that you refuse to keep His commandments, Jesus says, you, why don't you just say out loud what you're doing, what you're showing me with your actions is this, that you do not love me. Because He says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. So, you, so when the Bible gives us a commandment, hey, the Bible commands you to read your Bible, and you say, I'm not going to read my Bible, then why don't you, know, you say, well, I'm too busy. Why don't you just actually say what, what God hears when He hears you say that is, I don't love you. When God commands us, you know, Pastor Anderson touched on this last night, the greatest commandment that God gave us was the great commission. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. And people put up excuses and say, well, I'm not going to go soul winning uh, because, you know, I, I just, I'm too busy. Uh, I, I get nervous. I, I just don't want to. You know, why don't you just say what you're actually saying? You know, I'm lazy. I don't love God. I don't love the Bible. I don't really care if people die and go to hell because that's what God hears. He says, if, you know, He doesn't assume that we love Him. He says, if disciples, you love me. Keep my commandments. So our actions, Jesus said, you're going to prove your love for me based on what you do. And what you do is keep my commandments. And he says, if there's a clear commandment in the Bible, and, you're, and you choose to break it, then he said, you know, just, just tell me what you really mean. And here's what you mean. You don't love me. Because that's what he said. You know, he, does, he doesn't just assume we love him. And the truth is that if, if Jesus walked in here, we would all fall on our knees and say, Oh, Jesus, we love you. We love, but he knows who loves him. Based on if we keep His commandments. Uh, but look at verse uh, verse 16. Kind of get into a different subject. In verse 16 He says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. So He, he tells them, you know, because He's preparing them, because He's going to be leaving. Obviously He's going to die, and He's going to resurrect and be with them for a while, but He's also going to ascend up to heaven. So He's letting them know, hey, I'm going to send the Comforter who's going to abide with you forever. Verse 17, Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. So He says, I'm going to send a Comforter, and He says this Comforter is the Spirit of, of Truth. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, that word comfort... If you think of the word comfort and, and the words, the root words of that comfort, you know, in the word comfort, you find this word, fort. And that word fort, you know, if you think of a fort, like a, a military fort, you know, it's a stronghold. It's, it's a place that's fortified. It, it, it has the, the idea of strength. And the Bible says, you know, 
that God is going to send us the Holy Spirit and it calls Him the Comforter because He's going to comfort us while we go through our trials, while we go through our struggles, while we, while we go through all those you know, uh, trials and tribulations in our life, He's going to comfort us and He's going to fortify us and He's going to strengthen us. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. And He said, I'm sending a comforter that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it see them not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. And, he, and look what he says in the last part of verse 17. He says, for he dwelleth with you. So he says, the Holy Spirit is dwelling, is living with you. And look what he says, and shall be in you. So he's saying, at this time he's dwelling with you, but he said, in the future shall be in you. Why, do you, why does he say that? Well, because at this time, they're not indwelled with the Holy Spirit yet. And we're going to see it in John when they do get indwelled with the Holy Spirit. But he says, you know, he's going to not only, right now he dwells with you, but in the future he's going to actually be inside of you. The Holy Spirit. In verse 18 he says, I will not leave you comfortless. And he says, I will come to you. Now you've got to ask this question. Wait, hold on a minute, Jesus. You just said that you were going to send the Comforter. He said, and I, he said I will pray the Father and He shall give you another Comforter. Because Jesus is saying, look, I've been your comforter, physically. And He said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to pray the Father. And, and then He's going to give you another comforter. And He's going to abide with you forever. And then in verse 18, He says, and I will not leave you comfortless. He says, I will come to you. So then, you know, you got to ask, well, which is it, Jesus? Is he gonna, are you going to send another comforter, or are you going to come and comfort us? Well, it's both. Remember 1 John 5, 7? For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. You know, he says, hey, I'm going to pray the Father that He sends you another Comforter because I'm leaving. And then he says, in the next verse, he says, but I will come to you. When the Comforter comes, I'm going to come to you. Why? Because Jesus is God. Why? Because Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there are three in one. They're the same person. See, I don't understand that. I don't get it either. But that's what he's saying. Look at verse 19. Actually, look at verse 22. Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord... How is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? So he says, you know, how are you going to manifest yourself unto us, and not unto the world? And you got to keep in mind, Jesus keeps saying that, um, you know, he, he's saying that the Spirit is going to come to us, and that, he, and that He's going to come to us, but, but the world can't see the Spirit. So He's saying, you know, how, how is this going to happen? And in verse 23, He answers a question. He says, Jesus answered and said to them, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And look what he says. And we, who's that we referring to? Jesus and the Father. He's saying, we, me and the Father, will come unto him. And look what he says. And make our abode with him. You know what he's saying? We're going to come into him and we're going to live with him, inside of him. Now hold on a second, Jesus. I thought you just said that the Spirit was, uh, that was dwelling with us shall be in us. Now you're saying that you and the Father are going to abode with us. You know, why do you keep saying that the Spirit's going to live inside of me, and then you're saying that you and the Father are going to live inside of me? Why do you keep saying that you're going to send another comforter, and then you're saying that you're going to come? Well, you know, and, and here's the answer to that. It's the same person. It's Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. You can switch them around, because they're the same thing. You know, so don't let these Jehovah's Witnesses and these Mormons and all these other religions tell you that Jesus is not God. Because Jesus is God. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. There are three in one, the Trinity. He's a comforter. But look at, uh, look at verse 27. Actually, I'm sorry. Look at verse uh, 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. So who's the comforter? The Holy Ghost. 
the Spirit of Truth, whom the Father will send in my name. Look what he says. He shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So the Bible says that the Comforter is going to teach us all things. In, in, in 1 Peter, I want to say it's 1 Peter, I don't have it in my notes. It says that this anointing, that this unction that we have from the Holy One, this anointing teaches us all things. The Bible says, you know, that the Holy Spirit is what teaches us all things. Teaches us the Bible. When you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And it teaches you the Bible. You know, uh, you don't need to go to all these other books and grab all these other things to try to teach you what the Bible says. And you don't need, you know, these classes. And you, don't need, you just need the Holy Spirit to, to teach you the Bible. That's all you need. You know, and I don't have anything against, you know, a nice concordance where you can look up different verses and stuff like that. But all these other books that are trying to, like, teach you what the Bible says and you put them up against the Bible. You know, the Bible says we ought to compare spiritual things with spiritual things. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit... I mean, look at verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things. So, is the book going to teach you all things? Is the dictionary going to teach you all Is the commentary going to teach you No. He, the Holy Ghost, is going to teach you all things. But look what He says. How is He going to teach you all things? And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So He says, here's how He's going to teach you. Everything I said to you, Jesus Christ said to you, He's going to remind you what I said to you. Now the Comforter is going to teach us the Bible, right? And the Comforter is going to teach us the Bible by reminding us of what Jesus said unto us. Now, does Jesus speak to us verbally today? No, He does not. You know, if, uh, if, he spoke, if He's spoken to you verbally, you've got to get off the drugs. Because He's not... He doesn't speak to us. How does Jesus speak to us verbally? How does Jesus speak to us today? Through, through His Bible. Through the Word of God. Jesus is the Word. Now, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost is going to teach you, and He's going to bring things to your remembrance that Jesus said to you. Well, Jesus speaks to me through my Bible. But then you've got to ask... I've got to ask this question. Can the Holy Ghost remind me of anything that Jesus said to me if Jesus has never said anything to me? Do you understand what I'm saying? If I never open the Bible and I never read the Bible, the Holy Ghost can't remind me of something that I... It's, you know, it's not this you know, Pentecostal power where you get this vision and you get this word of knowledge that you never read before. So That's not how it works. you got to read the Bible, and when you read the Bible, it gets inside of you, and then the Holy Ghost is going to remind you of what Jesus already said to you. But if Jesus never said anything to you, He's never going to remind you of anything He ever said. Say, well, how do I fix that? Read your Bible. You know, when you're out sewing, you're knocking on doors, and you're, you're talking to people. Sometimes people will ask you something, or they'll say something, and a verse will pop up in your mind, and you'll think, oh, this is exactly what you're talking about. And you'll take them there, or maybe you'll quote it to them, and then, and then you'll get them to understand what you need. But here's the thing. That didn't just come to you. You read that somewhere, and then the Holy Ghost reminded you of it. He's going to remind you everything that Jesus said to you. But the sad part is that most Christians have never really had a conversation with Jesus because they never open up their Bibles and read. And you're never gonna. And you say, "Well, why does the Holy Ghost never speak to me?" Because He can't speak to you because you're not opening your Bible. Because He's going to remind you of the things that Jesus said to you. And Jesus never gets to talk to you because you never give Him the time. So He's going to teach you, and He wants to teach you. But you got to read. You got to read the Bible. You gotta listen to the Bible. You gotta be in the Word. You gotta be in uh, listening to what Jesus Christ wants to say. Look at verse 27. Last verse we'll look at. He says, Peace I, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. 
give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. You know, he's saying, I'm going to send this comforter, and he said, I'm, I'm leaving you my peace. You know, we as Christians should not be the type of people that are going through life just you know, up and down, you know, issue after issue, just, you know, uh, you know, just, just real frantic. We, we, we should have a peaceful life, you know, even when our world is spinning apart. Even when the Messiah, who we gave up all our riches and our businesses and, and, and left our friends and our families to follow, even when that Messiah dies, we should have a peace, you know, that passes all understanding. Why? Because we've got the Comforter who's going to comfort you. And you know, the, the, the peace that the world gives is not the peace that God gives. It's not as good as it. Because the peace that the world gives come, comes in a pill. You know, the peace that the world gives, you know, you, you, these, these kids, they, they have issues in school. And, and, and they've got turmoil in their life because they've got, you know, they're going through things and there's stuff happening in their life. And then instead of somebody opening the Bible and giving them the gospel and getting them saved and getting them the comforter, you know, they just give them riddling. And they give them these antidepressants. And they give them, you know, these, these uppers. And, the, and then they got to give you these downers because you went too up. And then when you went too down, then they got to give you these uppers. And, you know, they give you these... And that's the peace of this world, you know. The peace... You know, you know how this world finds comfort in a bottle of alcohol. You know, I think there's even... I, I even heard somebody say, you know, there's a, there's a beer or some sort of alcoholic drink called Southern Comfort. You know, you know how this, the world today finds comfort? You know, have you ever heard this term... Comfort food. You know, oh, I, I'm having these issues. You know, I'm having all these troubles. So I'm going to eat this huge tub of ice cream. You know, because you find that's how the world finds comfort. They find it in alcohol. They find it in drugs. They find it in, uh, you know, uh, pills. They find it in food. They find it in, in, in all sorts of different places. But Jesus said, we as Christians have a peace. He says, peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. He says, my peace is better than the world's peace. Because the world's peace runs out. But he said, my peace, my comforter, he said he's going to abide with you forever. And that's what the Holy, the, the ministry of the Holy Ghost is to comfort you. The ministry of the Holy Ghost is to give you strength. The ministry of the Holy Ghost is to give you boldness. The ministry of the Holy Ghost is to help you as you walk through this life and to comfort you as you uh, go through those struggles. And look at the last part of verse 27. And I understand this is not the last verse in the chapter, but he, he he's begins to wind down this conversation and kind of bring this point to the end. And he, he finishes the way he started. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Verse 1, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And verse 27, he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You, you ask the question, well, why not let my heart be troubled? Well, well here's why. Because you have a home in heaven. Jesus is preparing a mansion for you. You know, the, the world could fall apart. And I, you know, I, I've heard this term before. Uh, this quote, I'd rather be a Christian on my worst day than an unsafe person on their best day. Because on your worst day, hey, I still got a home in heaven. But on their best day, they're still going to die and go to hell. So, you know, and really this whole chapter, John 14, is Jesus giving them reasons and expounding on them why they should not be troubled when their world begins to spin out of control in 24 hours when He dies. And He's telling them, hey, I've got, I'm preparing a place for you in heaven. You, why not let my heart be troubled, Jesus? Because uh, you believe in Jesus, who is God. And, uh, you know, what a thought. 
that uh, God can be on my side. You know, why not let your heart be troubled? Because you're safe. Because you believe in Jesus Christ, that He is the way. Jesus said, I am the way. Why not let your heart be troubled? Because He gave us a comforter. Why not let your heart be troubled? Because we believe in God. You know, why, why not let your heart be troubled? Because He's given us peace. And really, Jesus, that's what Jesus is trying to teach His disciples. He's saying, hey, things are going to happen that you were not expecting in just a short amount of time. He said, you're going to feel like you just do not know what to do. But He's just trying to explain to them, let not your heart be troubled. And you know what we can learn from John 14? Is this, as your world begins to fall apart one day, because it will, you say, my world's never falling apart. Well, it's going to. You know, we're going to, we're going to go through trials. We're going to go through tribulations. And I, I can't remember if I talked about this on Sunday morning or Sunday night. But we're all going to go through something. You know, we're not, we don't all go through the same things. Some people have health issues. Some people have work issues. Some people have marital problems. Some people have uh, problems with, the, with uh, their children. Some people have uh, all, you know, just financial things. We, we all have trials and struggles we go through. But as you go through those, just remember the words of Jesus Christ. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, and, and just praise the Lord. And, and I love John chapter 14. And if you're ever going through that struggle and you're just thinking, man, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, just open up John 14 and read it. And it's a, it's a great uh, uh, passage of encouragement. So let's bow our heads and have a prayer. Dear me, Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church.